0: Hello, I'm Ted Brzezelski and it's time for another episode of Words and Work. Today we're kind of doing both words and work. Uh, We've got Kristen Randall. Uh, She's a member of the local chapter of the National Writers Union. Um, She publishes, edits and publishes, I think you're always supposed to say it in that order, uh, the Southern Arizona Connection which is a publication that comes out of Aravaca uh, and serves many of the smaller communities that are south of Tucson uh, it uh, includes everything from poetry to uh, natural history um, to uh, you know just think pieces and um, some other unusual articles that come out of some of the people down there in Aravaca and she'll tell you a little bit about that. Her other role is she serves as a Pima County constable um, and because she serves as a constable in Midtown Tucson most of her work is with evictions uh, and so she's got um, a lot of work that she's done on uh, housing issues Uh, And I think we all know that here in Tucson, we've got an acute problem with that. So um, let's get to this. One thing I want to tell you about, I've been recording most of these uh, interviews by Zoom. Um, I didn't record this with Zoom, I tried it a different way. So if it sounds different and if the quality is not up to what you're used to, that's why all right, let's go to Kristen. All right, we have Kristen Randall here, um, who's a constable, but also a publisher. Um, so, um, I don't know, I wanted to start with the, the publishing. Um, so you publish a community, I, I don't know what to call it, a community <laughs> newspaper or a magazine that serves Eravaka and surrounding areas.
1: Yeah, it's um and uh, it's a small monthly print publication. We actually do print it. Um, very small distribution, maybe about five thousand copies a month. But it is a we call it a, a community open forum newspaper. So I write for it. I, f- I have a few other uh, folks who who write for it. But then pretty much we're open forum. So if somebody wants to send something in, we print it.
0: Oh, so. I'm curious because I think a lot of people who've come up with kind of new community publications over the last decade or so. I mean, I'm thinking of the Sentinel, for example, the Sentinel that I write for. um, There is no print publication, and 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 that's the choice that a lot of people are making now, just to go entirely online. So, what made you want to do a print publication?
1: Well, this has been in print since 83, so I didn't start it. Um, I took it over in about 2014 or so. The old owner just wanted wanted to be done. She'd been doing it since 83. Uh, And we just sort of continued the tradition. We did put it online. There is a little bit more online content than there used to be, but we serve a, a very rural population. We also distribute in Green Valley, which is primarily retirement community. And I think people are really drawn to that they could just go to the store, pick it up, and put it on their their table and or next to their toilet yeah. <laughs> and keep reading it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and 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 what's um, what's reaction been like uh, since you've taken over, and what and what, and what sort of things do you, do you, do you publish that are interesting in there?
1: Well, uh, compound question. Uh, the first one is. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I do. Um, (laughs) What am I in court? I object. Um, So the first thing, we we did have to change things a little bit. Uh, Over the last uh, eight years or so, there were a lot of changes. I think people had to grapple with that. The actual format of the newspaper had to change because our printer kept going out of business. Uh, We had a, a small printer in Tucson, Western Web, they went out of business and then we started printing at the arizona daily star down here in tucson the print shop went out of business so every time we've moved the format has changed somewhat so now we're in a tabloid format some people love it some people hate it you wouldn't think anybody would complain but you know that that matters to people other than that it hasn't really changed that much uh in its you know almost uh 40 years uh it's still like I said, open forum, and some of the things that we print, now I'm getting to the other side of the compound. Yeah. See oh. that transition there? Yeah, that was good. Sure. <laughs> um, so we, we print, uh, we have a poetry page. We get a lot of poetry, a lot of nature essays. Uh, we, we have letters to the editor, um, op-eds. And then we do get a lot of community news, so Green Valley, Amado, Aravaca, a lot of different happenings there. And then we will often get... Just somebody's interested in a topic, they'll, they'll write about it and, and want to get it in there. So it's very, very eclectic. Uh, I think that's what makes it interesting because you never exactly know what you're going to get. Some of the things that you're definitely uh, going to get is uh, a monthly uh, Aravaca history column. Uh, Mary Casulitis writes that one monthly, the, the poetry page. But other than that, you never know. So it's it's interesting.
0: So what, what kind of community is Arivaca? Because I think it's it's one of those things that uh, places that in Tucson we sort of know it's there, mm-hmm. but we drive by it on the way to Nogales or. Well,
1: you're driving uh, by the exit. Oh, the exit. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's another just, thirty minutes yeah, to it, get to Arivaca yeah. once you drive by the exit. Um, well, uh, to, to answer that question, um, let me. Let me talk a little bit about some of the the stranger articles we get sometimes. So there there was a woman, she would listen to spirits on on um those like cassette tapes. She would she would record just still air and then she would listen to the spirits on on the cassette tape and she would she would write a column in sometimes about that.
0: Yeah. So
1: <laughs> But yeah. Aravak is actually as, as eclectic as as uh, the connection newspaper, so
0: I my the the experience that I had in Aravaca that I always like to, to tell people about is I there was a little store there that was kind of like I don't want to say Trader Joe's because that <laughs> conveys a different thing that I'm trying to do but but they sold that kind of I mean it was yeah. that level of stuff and I bought a bag of tea and it was like had some are you sure it was tea uh, well I'm not sure because. <laughs> It had some crazy name like Emperor's Choice Black Tea or something, and it came in a brown bag. And um, I made it, it was, you know, loose leaf, so you use the little ball to make mm-hmm. it, you know. And I drank it, and I just started pacing and couldn't stop.
1: <laughs> Did it have a lot of caffeine in it? It
0: must have. I'm, I'm yeah. hoping that it was just caffeine. That, well, you
1: know, it was arabica.
0: I'm not, not going to drop dirty somewhere down the line. <laughs> um, so. You know, and and also with Aravaca, I mean, what, what sort of I mean, because of where it is, I, mm-hmm. I, they they get a lot of uh, issues that we would associate with a border community. Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, that that's the interesting thing about Aravaca for a town. I think in the last census there was 650 people there. There's probably more there, um, but it's, it's a very very small town basically at the end of the road, right before you get to the border. So there are the border militia folks. There are the uh, humanitarian aid folks. There's the old hippies, because there was a big influx of people from the East Coast uh, in the 70s. You have the ranchers, uh, and then you just kind of have the randos like me, who are like, I like this place, and and Mm. moved here. I don't really fit very neatly into one group, although Probably more with the humanitarians than anybody.
0: Um, Okay, so let's talk about your, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I I have you on because you're a member of NWU, which is nice um, to have (laughs) a fellow union member uh, writer on the show. But also, you split your time between Arivaca and Tucson, so you are a constable. Yes. Okay, so um, I think for a lot of people that conveys... A little round helmet and um, you know like a stick a stick yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell <laughs> us what that job is it's an elected position which um, I think is a little weird too
1: I agree it is a little weird. weird I was appointed two years ago and I was recently elected um, I'm one of ten constables in Pima County we are uh, the people who take papers from the justice court and we go and we serve them or enforce them. So that is your civil summons and your small claims and orders of protection and then uh, evictions. And that's probably, so because there, there are 10 constables in 10 precincts in Pima County. So if you're in a rural precinct, you're mostly doing wastewater papers and, and those civil summons. Uh, if you are a constable in the city, you're doing evictions. I do almost nothing else except for evictions. So we go out, we get the paper, and we actually conduct the eviction. Um, I've been doing this for a little over two years, and I've made it my mission in life to change the way that that's done. But yeah. that's
0: yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you know, just getting back to the 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 other thing it was like with those other jobs, a lot of that's taken up by city court you know, in, in the city, and so it right. it leaves you in time. I mean, it's not like there's nobody asking for orders of protection within the city. Right, but exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, and I've talked to you before about this, as well as, you know, uh, you know I know Bennett Bernal and, and Joe Ferguson, who did not, who's an NWU member, who did not win his election, unfortunately, but um, you talk a little bit about what you've actually been able to do,
1: Sure. So what we did is we we can't change statute, obviously, um, but we figured out a way to kind of jam into the existing process a, a notification where we go and we talk to people a few days up to a week before their eviction takes place. What's your plan? What's going on? What kind of resources do you need? Even a basic this eviction is going to be happening, did you know about it? Some people don't. 90% of the people don't go to their hearings, so they don't really know what's going on, and and we inform them of that. A few months ago, we hired a social worker in our office. Um, I think that our office now, at least the the two of us who've opted into the program, uh, Bennett Bernal and myself, we're working more closely with the city, with the county, with nonprofits to try to get resources to people, so that we're not just showing up cold, throwing somebody out, and um, and then they have a much more difficult transition than if we sort of have a guided transition to some kind of housing or shelter. It's made a big difference.
0: Yeah, so I. It- uh, how how hard I mean you said it's just you and, and Bennett I mean how hard has it been to uh, try to drag the other constables into it?
1: Um, I mean it's actually the Maricopa County constables who have been a little bit more difficult. Um, at one point, there was talk about potentially suing us to stop.
0: I don't know how serious that was. Uh, there, well, there was well, hold on. on. What basis could they sue? I mean it, it'd be it'd be like if one law enforcement agency decided to sue another and another jurisdiction because they didn't like the way they were doing things.
1: Short answer, there's no basis. The longer answer is that they wanted to say that because we were going out there, we were serving them with this paperwork and because we were not being reimbursed, then we were doing something that wasn't legal. Now, obviously, we're not actually serving anything. We're just going out there, knocking on the door, talking to people but that was what the conversation was. They they wanted us to stop, and they were going to try to figure out some way to do it.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 funny that, well, I won't even go into it. I mean, my my. I mean, this this will this will just get into my own little frustrations with the way politics is working now. And everything. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I mean, it's it's funny because what you're doing, I mean, it's not like it's some sort of civil disobedience where you're refusing to, you know... Right. You know, serve these... You're you're actually just... I mean, these people are still being evicted. It's just that you're finding them resources. Right.
1: We're shoehorning this other step, which in most Western states, that step is built into the process anyway. Mm-hmm. We're So we're, we're jamming this step in there. And for the most part, Bennett and I, when, when we do this, uh, it doesn't actually come to... I mean, people still have to leave their homes unless we're able to work uh, to help them pay their rent. They they still do have to leave, but it, it is on their terms and with a plan rather than constable knocking on the door. Say you have 10 minutes to leave and then whoosh, you're out. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still doing it there. There's really no complaints there. Property managers love the program because oh, often really? Really? they do yeah, yeah. Right. so either when we can negotiate some like some kind of payment plan they they get their payment or if if I go a few days ahead of time and let them know this is coming um, those folks can then move their stuff out so when the eviction happens either the eviction has been cancelled so they don't have to pay that money for the constable or we open up the door and there's a an empty apartment there so which means that the property manager can flip the unit a lot quicker if you boot somebody out, all of their stuff has to stay in the uh, uh, unit for two weeks, up to two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it they like it, and it, it de-escalates situations. And um, I don't think I have a single property manager in Midtown that doesn't like that we
0: do this. Yeah, and, okay, that's interesting because I, I know when we've, you know, I mean we we've talked before about this, and one of the things I I, I find interesting about kind of the push to evict over the last year or so because in my day job we see the results of uh not just residential evictions but commercial evictions right. um you know a lot of places that uh could have stayed open right. uh, you know stores and things that could have stayed open but the landlord wanted them out and my question was always well who do you plan to i mean it, 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 let, let, let's say it was last summer and you you're throwing out someone out of an apartment or a storefront. Who were you going planning on renting to at that point?
1: Residential is different. Yeah,
0: residential is different because yeah. people have to.
1: Well, there's right now in Tucson. There's a three percent vacancy rate, which means that for every hundred units on the market, only three of them are available. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's tight competition. There are l- waiting lists for units. Um, rent is going up because of that. So in in some instances it does behoove the the landlord to evict their tenant and then raise the rent by I I'm seeing anywhere from $150 to $350 per month for some of these units that they're increasing the rent by
0: and and, and they actually are so in the in the case of residential the residential market they actually are finding people
1: yeah yeah it's so hard to find housing that 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 rule of thumb about oh you pay a third of your paycheck for your housing out the window um it's been out the window for a long time but more and more we're discovering um how much people can basically bleed to to pay for housing because housing is so expensive right now
0: yeah and you know that's something else I, I, I think I brought this up with you before but you know at what point does this become unsustainable where you don't have people that that can blow 40 or 50% of their income on on rent or that you have so many people who are you know out of you know you know either couch surfing or living in shelters that it, it it's no longer practical and ooh, but I mean I mean, that's one way to put it, but the other way, I guess, <laughs> to put it is that, is there something going on on the horizon that you're seeing that maybe we start to see fewer evictions? and.
1: I, um, I mean, Tucson is in the top 25 for uh, cities in America for eviction rates. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really start off in a, in a great place. Um, I wish I had better news. Mostly I can say, I don't know. Um, The good news, I guess, is that we're very much aware of this. This is a really hot topic in both the city and the county. It is something that people are taking seriously. There are more connections and collaborations now than ever before. And I've only been doing this for over two years. So in the last six months, I would say um, this has become a real focus. So I I think going forward, we're going to see more action um, on the part of our electeds and there's talk about building units and and affordability and how many units that we need um the demand is is pretty high so what does this look like how do we fund it how do we make it happen nothing very substantial is happening yet but we have to talk about it first and and those discussions are happening
0: yeah i you know i know that one of the things that I've seen in, in some other cities, in New York and San Francisco are the two worst about this where they, so many units are now either bought as investment or, or rented as, I don't want to say investment properties, but just as, as some second home that I can go to every once in a while. or. They're taken up by Airbnb Mm -hmm. and so you have what would be affordable units that are just not available for renting I don't know have we seen anything like that here a
1: lot of um, more affordable condos especially around the university area Mm -hmm. a lot of those were purchased um, by California companies or just investors and those were turned into Airbnbs Uh, actually a lot of them were purchased from the private housing market to become rental units. And then those were converted over to Airbnb. I I mean, since the pandemic, I don't know if there's been much change in that. And I don't know if that's really being discussed. How can we do something about that? Mostly people are talking about how do we build new units? How do we maybe make a, or, or convince a, a private uh, apartment complex owner to consider converting their market rate uh, units to affordable units uh, that is not a conversation that I mean we don't have a good answer for that um, but that's that's part of it a lot of California companies also coming not just California but a lot of out-of-state investors coming to Tucson
0: yeah I mean that's one of the things that I, I was dealing with at the office the other day was a um, it was a, an empty piece of land that Uh, There were some issues with and so I had to check on who owned it and it was a Investment group out of Kansas. Hmm. And so it wasn't even a guy I could pick up the phone and call and say hey, there's this thing and 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 I couldn't even Have code enforcement go to them. (laughs) There's this there's no um, and and, you know even for a while we were dealing with um, an apartment complex where there were numerous issues at and the management. There was no local management company, and they were owned by an investment group in, in Orange County somewhere. And it's just, yeah. yeah,
1: well, the 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 old model was, you know, mom and pop would have a few apartment complexes, yeah. and there'd be on-site management. And um, more and more, I see these smaller and medium-sized apartment complexes. Yes, they're owned by some out-of-state conglomeration who knows who those people are but also they rotate so they don't even have on-site management or maintenance anymore they might own a certain amount of units and they they'll have one person who's the contact to be management mm-hmm. and then maybe one or two maintenance people that rotate
0: around well and now and now you also have this situation and I mean this was sort of I mean during the mortgage crisis one of the things that was talked about were are these um, mortgages that were bought up by Groups of investors that might not have had no relationship to each other. They just had bought pieces of oh, yeah You know securitized mortgages they called it and that's I mean not the issue you're dealing with necessarily but it's starting to happen from what I understand with the, the You know the real estate market in general where these things are securitized and it means that the ownership there is no owner per se no no one company no one person and and i, I can't imagine how it's going to be to have to you know work on what you're doing or do just basic code enforcement or something like that on our end
1: yeah. well i i mean we i have a story um yeah. that kind of highlights this so uh there's a an apartment complex down on 29th street and it's constable Gonzalez's and um i help her out sometimes uh the the Rick came through the eviction order and uh she attempted to try to call the contact on there. It didn't really go anywhere. It just went to a voicemail that mm-hmm. nobody answered. She, she called a few times, less voicemails, nothing. This is a California company that purchased mm-hmm. it. So she went to the property. Uh They've closed the office. So there's no on-site. There's so, uh so she called the lawyer who, Uh, took the case and said well you need to give me a good contact it took weeks for them to track somebody down um so so even
0: so even to do something that probably would have been beneficial to the it's beneficial to them yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) it's uh um so if 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 there's just joe citizen listening to this and and wants to you know is hearing about this and it's probably been reading about this for well over a year but what What is it that a, a regular person can do to try to be active on this issue?
1: I would start talking to your uh, electeds, so your supervisors and your uh, council people mm-hmm. um, in particular, about affordable housing. Um, and I, I also want to tie that with we, we do have a very serious and growing um, homelessness issue here, too, start talking to them. There's, there's groups that you can join. Um, start looking at that. I think, I think we need to hear more of the public saying an affordable housing issue is everybody's issue because it does affect everything. We are seeing not, not just uh, apartment units, but actual real estate is becoming unaffordable uh, to people. Cash offers from out of state, from investment firms are overtaking just you know mom and dad wanting to to buy a house or Mm. uh or a young person wanting to buy a starter home
0: and so um just to not leave things on a bad note do you (laughs) you have any funny stories do you have funny constable stories
1: (sighs) i don't know funny (laughs) constable stories it's it's kind of like a grim job. Yeah. Um, I know. I don't want to start. See, you're catching me uh, off guard. I could have prepared something ahead of time. Uh,
0: well, you know, why? Why would I want to do that?
1: Yeah. Well, I I know I have funny stories. I can't I can't exactly pull one out right now. Uh, okay. Okay. I have one. This one's stupid though. But um, <laughs> I I was doing this eviction. Um, I I had visited the guy ahead of time. So he was ready to go. He was packed. He had a place to go. It was it was pretty good, but he was going to stay in the unit until the day of the eviction, which a lot of people do because they just want to get everything they can until they have to move to yeah. you know their and cousin's house. they probably don't have
0: much else to do, right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So um, at that time, that it was a few years ago. Um, I don't really wear my a badge anymore, but I, I was wearing a badge, and so we're doing it. And the guy looks down. He's like, "Wait!" He's like i've had a lot of contact with the sheriff's deputies before i was like okay and he's like but yours has your name on it i'm like well yeah it has my name on it he's like why i said well i'm the constable of of midtown tucson and he goes he's like i feel honored So <laughs> i was like you shouldn't don't feel honored <laughs> but it was so funny he just kept like Going like he felt so honored being evicted by the cons- and I had to tell him like yeah, there's only one constable in in uh, Midtown Tucson yeah
0: yeah <laughs> it's not <laughs> I'm special yeah well um well thank you for uh, giving me some time here and it's uh, it's an important job you do and and you know and uh, I'm kind of glad that you also work that in with your you know did you also have this other role of, of being a community newspaper person because that's something that we need more of. Um but thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me. Right.
0: Thank you Kristen, and if you want to check out the publication she edits and publishes, it's uh you can find it at southernarizonaconnection.com or uh, take a drive out to one of our Santa Cruz River Valley communities and uh see if you can pick up a copy for yourself. Um, it's worthwhile. Uh, we have been doing our meetings online, of course, for the National Writers Union Tucson chapter, we usually bring in a speaker of some sort, uh, a recent book author. Um, and, I we have not set up who the next speaker will be. So, um, but keep up with our Facebook page, uh, National Writers Union in Tucson chapter, and you can uh, you can find out who that is and, and how to log on to our uh, our meeting because we are, have been online. Probably soon transition away from that. But all right. So thank you for listening. Words and Work is a presentation of the National Writers Union Tucson chapter and Downtown Radio, and see you next week.